episode of the Armchair Theologian. I'm Al Weeks, and I affectionately call myself an armchair theologian because I don't think that uh, I'm a proper theologian. I'm just a, just an average, everyday theologian. I have ideas and thoughts about Scripture, and that makes me a theologian just like you. And my desire is to grow the ranks of armchair theologians around the world that we might all have deep and serious thoughts about what God's Word is telling us today. So um, in this episode, I was wanting to talk a little bit about prayer. It seems that we just had our annual Baptist convention here in Alaska, and one of the things that we celebrated was 75 years of Alaska Baptists being here in the state and partnering together to see the work of uh, the ministry of, of God's you know kingdom growing and, and multiplying here in this great state. And so one of the things that our uh, executive director wanted to encourage the churches to do was to spend the next 75 days in honor of the 75 years that uh, we've been um, here in the state. Uh, he wanted us to spend 75 days in prayer. And so they even uh, put out a prayer guide. And I know we can probably um, uh, have a link to this maybe uh, in the um, in the comments uh, for the state convention so that you might be able to acquire one of those if you want. Um, but it brought up a really good point, which is um, prayer. And I always get questions, or, and over the years I've always gotten questions about, you know, what is the most important thing that a pastor does and um and, you know, what does a pastor do during the day? Because, you know, the people are curious. It's not like there are a lot of us um, that are running around and we know what accountants do. We know what lawyers do. We know what um, we know what uh, uh, store clerks do. But what does a pastor do during the day? And I know that this would probably vary given the day. And if you ask uh, 100 pastors, you'll probably get 100 different answers. Uh, but I guarantee you that there isn't a pastor out there that would disagree with my personal assessment. So in this instance, I would say that if somebody were to ask me what's the most important thing that a pastor does, I would have to say pray. Um, and it's one of the central things that I like to do every day. And I, um, I have a, a system that has worked with for me over the years. And I thought that maybe we could look a little bit into scripture and see what Jesus had to say about prayer. And I can take you on a tour of my office a little bit and let you see um, just some of the, the patterns and the paths that I take when I'm in prayer. And that we might encourage you to spend the next uh, little while in prayer. Um, as you're praying not only for uh, the work in your own area, if you're if you're not living here in Kenai or in our sphere of influence, um, but if you're living in, in and around uh, the Kenai, Soldatna, and the Kiska area, I'm going to ask that you pray for our church, pray for our community, uh, pray for those that just went through the municipal elections, that um, the right people were chosen, and that we might see um, a greater degree of spirituality and Christianity being brought into the public sector, that we might make our decisions based upon more of God's principles and his word rather than our own thoughts, feelings, and desires. So those are some of the things that, uh, that I know I'm praying about, and I want to encourage you guys to pray as well. So without further ado, I just want to take a minute to read scripture um, so that we could have a, a basis of understanding. So I'm going to put this passage up um, in pieces uh, so you'll see them uh, as we're reading through them 
to be able to read it yourself. But if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open up to the book of Luke. We're going to be looking in chapter 11. Uh, we're going to look at the first 13 verses. And I'm just going to read that to you, and you can follow along with me if you will. So starting in the first verse of chapter 11, Luke records this. He says, It happened while that Jesus was play, praying in a certain place. Pray, sorry. I'm going to start that over again. Uh, it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who is indebted or sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, Jesus went on, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs so he'll just go away. I added that last part. <clears throat> so I say to you, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it'll be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. Now suppose one of your fathers asks, uh, one of your fathers is asked by his son for a fish. Will he not? Will he give him a? Will he not give him a snake instead of a fish? Of course he won't. Or if he is asked for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You know, there's a lot that we can unpack in that passage. Um, just right at the very beginning when Jesus says, uh, when when the disciples come to him and say, Jesus, please tell us, um, teach us how to pray. Um, you know, everybody jumps right to that next passage because we love the Lord's Prayer. And this is um, a smaller version of it in the book of Luke as to what we see in chapter six in Matthew. Um, but we miss that first part right in the beginning where it says, teach us to pray like John's disciples taught, like John taught his disciples. Now, I thought that was kind of interesting because we don't really have a lot of history on John the Baptist, just what we have recorded in the Gospels. And so, you know, we have a little bit about his birth. We have a little bit about his early ministry as he was a forerunner um, going before Jesus. Um, we have that beautiful scene after uh, of the baptism of Jesus and then soon afterwards where he pointed uh, John and uh, James uh, to Jesus and said, he is the Lamb of God. And then he had that wonderful phrase where he said, in order for Jesus to increase, I must decrease, which I guess in many ways is a prayer. And I think that I've prayed that numerous times over my ministry is, you know, I really want to see Jesus magnified in me and through me and, and around me. And in order to make that happen, I have to um, be willing to sublimate and to push down my own particular pride um, and let him be the one that gets the glory. That's so hard in our culture where um, we oftentimes are taught that if we don't uh, capture the credit 
for something, then someone else will get that credit, and who knows what will happen with them. But the truth is that God knows what we're doing, and he knows who we serve. And it's important to him that we let him be preeminent. So that being said, we thought we'd talk a little bit about prayers. Um, I've got a few prayers that I like to, to give out. I have, I've actually um, uh, uh, sort of put them down in, in order of, I guess, importance. Um, one of my favorite types of prayers is what I like to call a shotgun prayer. Now, again, this is the armchair theologian version of it. Um, I'm sure that uh, there is a, a deeper and more um, more intelligent theologian out there that would say that... Um, um, that there's a different way to say this, but I look at shotgun prayers like this. You know, a shotgun oftentimes has a spread where you pull the trigger and the pellets come out of the end and just sort of spread out. Um, and they hit a lot of things in a wide arc and they do a lot of damage if it's close, but sometimes when it gets far away, it's not nearly as damaging. Um, and what I, what I like to term as a shotgun prayer is, is a lot of times we don't know exactly what it is we need to be praying for. Like for instance, um, uh, sometimes somebody will come up to me and say, Hey pastor, um, I need you to pray for my friend Sally. And I can't tell you anything more. Just pray for my friend Sally. Well, I have no idea what I'm praying for. And I can't place praise for specific. James says that we should be praying specific. And so if I knew that Sally was um, was suffering with um, with uh, depression or a disease or um, uh, uh, with her marriage, then I could be more targeted and specific. But because that's not the case, I have to just throw a, a shot, what I call a shotgun prayer to cover it all. And so oftentimes I just bow my head and say, Dear Heavenly Father, I just ask you to be with Sally. Um, you know the situation. I don't. Um, and I know that you're already probably working in that, um, in the lives of, uh, of the individuals around her and in this situation. And I just ask that you will continue to work and to give yourself glory and at the same time um, accomplish your will in that situation. Now, I, you know, you say lots of different phrases, but sometimes a shotgun prayer is just a quick firing off of our prayer authority that God has given us. Because notice what it says in that passage. It says that we should ask, seek, and knock. And if we're asking, then we'll receive an answer. If we're seeking, we're going to find. If we're knocking, um, the doors are going to be open to us. And so sometimes we don't always know what to seek or what to know, where to knock, but we do know that we need to ask. And so that's sort of my first one is just sort of a, a shotgun um, a shotgun prayer. My my second type of prayer, well, I'd call sniper prayer. Um, it's because, you know, it's that idea of um, you, you've got a laser focus, a target. You know exactly what it is um, that you're looking for. And um, so you just line it up in your sights, you wait until the right moment, you hold your breath, and you squeeze that trigger ever so gently um, and allow that prayer to just hit boom, right where it's targeted. Um, a lot of times this happens when we're going through a crisis or we're having, or we have a friend that is. And um, like, for instance, if we had somebody that was um, uh, dealing with a, a car that was uh, just breaking down and having lots of problems around the side of the road, sometimes just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I need your help. I've got to get this, um, I've got to get this car fixed or I need somebody to come along to help me. Um, and you just, you're like right there, laser focused. It's that sniper prayer. Um, and those are kind of the, the, the focus prayers. It's not a long prayer. Um, you're just, you're zeroing in. Because um, the Bible says we should ask. Look what it says in Luke chapter 11, uh, verse 10. It says, for everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened unto him. 
That's an important principle to remember that he wants us to ask and seek and knock. He's encouraging us to. Um, sometimes the answer is no, but there's always a reason for it. And we may not always see it right away, but usually in, in hindsight, after the event's over with, we clearly see um, what God is trying to share uh, with us. So that being said, um, we also have another type of prayer that um, uh, a lot of pastors have used over the years, largely because it rhymes and we like to do it. This is what we call that that prayer for salvation um, uh, in the sense that, you know, I'm, I need rescuing right now. Um, so a lot of pastors call it the flare prayer. It's like when you're stuck in the middle of the ocean and the waves are going up high and the radio is down and you have no way to be able to get a hold of anybody and you just fire off that that flare up into the heaven um, and you say, Lord, help me. You know, I don't know what's going to go on. Just, just help me. Bring me salvation. Um, and those are the desperate prayers, you know, the prayers that, that bring us into the presence of God um, on that immediate and very important way. Now, these are all wonderful types of uh, quick, short burst prayers, but there's also another type of prayer that I think is important and um, one that, that I use often. It's just a prayer of praise and thanksgiving. Um, sometimes when you're getting getting alone with God and, and you're just spending time with Him, I do this sometimes in the car when I'm driving for long distances and, um, you know, especially here in Alaska where there are whole stretches on the road where you don't have radio, um, you don't have good connection to the internet. In fact, you don't have any connection to the internet. And sometimes in that in that dark area of where technology isn't running supreme and you, you you don't have any kind of music at all, sometimes no distractions, sometimes in the silence of the car, you can you can really spend some time of of, uh, of praise and adoration to Jesus and and I do that sometimes I just sit there and just just thank him for his greatness for all the things that he's done I thank him for my children I thank him for my wife and my family and my my ministry that he has allowed me to to engage in for the last 24 years um, you know these are things that I'm incredibly grateful for um, I'm grateful for the individuals that have come in and out of our lives uh, my life um, over the years from my parents um, all the way down to those mentors and, and godly men and women that have helped me uh, grow as an individual. This also sometimes it's thanks. I offer thanks for the people that are difficult and frustration frustrating because um, by interacting with them, I grow as an individual and as a pastor because it helps me to become better able to uh, to be a pastor. And so, um, you know, those are some of the prayers that I ask for. Also, there is another type of prayer that I that I um, I don't really have an answer for it or, or have a good name for it. I don't have a pithy phrase for it. Um, some of the ancient theologians would call it a, a mystical prayer of union um, or uh, a level of, 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 of ecstasy within our prayers. Um, but I, that just doesn't sit well with me, those kinds of phrases. Um, and so I, I like to look at it as a, as a prayer of intimacy. Um, it's it's the prayer that um, that, that lovers speak. You know, I, it's like pillow talk. Um, but please understand, don't, don't take it the wrong way with this. Um, it's the kind of conversation that only occurs between two people who are so connected on an intimate and loving way that 
there are times you just don't know where where you begin and they end. Um, and the best, most beautiful picture of that is in that marriage relationship between a husband and a wife when they are connected in such a powerful way where, you know, like, like you know, he'll say something and she finishes the sentence for him because they're that much in sync. But it's even more than that. It's it's having that intimate, loving um, uh, words. And sometimes you don't need words so much as you just need that touch. I knew a man once who preached a sermon about a second touch. Um, he wanted to um, experience that second touch from the Lord, that touch that 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 you only get when you know that that intimate. I don't know. I'm having a hard time saying it. Um, that intimate connection that that you just can't put words to. Um, very few times in my life where I've said I felt like I've gotten to that place. A lot of times they've been when I'm um, in the middle of a crisis. Um, or I'm in the middle of nowhere, uh, and I'm just spending time with God. Uh, one such occurrence happened when we were on a uh, youth trip for, with uh, uh, with a bunch of kids in the Netherlands, and we had taken the kids from Belgium six hours away to a water park, and it was and we had a great time. And on the way home, uh, the the car we were we had two cars, we had a car and a van, and the car that we were driving just died, just up and died. The transmission just went and done and so we loaded everybody we could into the van apologize for anybody that gets frustrated about um, having uh, seatbelts on all the kids because we did not we put every single person we could in the van um, except for myself and uh, one of my sons and we stayed there uh, and waited for help to arrive because we had called for a rescue. Uh, we'd, <laughs> we set up a flare prayer uh, to uh, um, folks uh, back in the church. And, and so we sent the kids home so they could get home on time. And, we, and I stayed there. And I was sitting there underneath the, uh, the overpass. It was kind of rainy um, in the middle of nowhere um, in a, country, a foreign country that didn't speak English. And I just... I. It was Saturday afternoon. I had to preach the next morning, and um, I just spent some time in prayer. I was just uh, sitting there, and I had to preach uh, the next morning. It was Saturday, and I wanted to spend some time with the Lord. And I had my Bible, and I had my notebook, and because I had planned on doing a little bit of uh, study and uh, research while we were on this this little bit of a trip when the kids were off doing their thing, and. Uh, I just opened up my opened up my Bible and started praying, and I just started uh, looking at Scripture. I knew the passage I was going to be preaching on, wanted to get some final ideas and notes and thoughts um, down on paper, and it was interesting how the Lord just started to open up His heart to me, and I was able to see um, a pathway that He was taking us down, and um, I tell you, it was the neatest thing. I actually got the best sermon that I've ever had in my entire life, and I've never preached it. Um, it was just a message that God gave just for me, and it was something that was so precious and so intimate and so amazing um, that even now I look back on that journal that I ended up using and end up not preaching any, anything that I was going to. I had to switch it all around um, because that message was just for me, and it was such an intimate connection. It was something like that God really needed me to know and he wanted to express his love to me in a way that 
I just had to have. And so that's that's kind of that intimate um, connection that I was telling you about, that that kind of an intimate prayer is important. Now, theologians do uh, like to put names and titles to things, um, and so a lot of times they have uh, different types of prayers, like prayers of petition, where we ask um, things of God, prayer of confession, uh, prayer of, of intercession, a lot of Eshens here, you know, um, a prayer of thanksgiving and praise. We talked a little bit about that prayer, a prayer of adoration, um, and a prayer of, uh, that mystical union or what I call intimate, um, communication. Um, these are some of the type of prayers I, you know, if you do a quick search on Google, you'll probably find about uh, 20, 30 different uh, lists of the different types of prayers that are out there. I saw some that were seven, eight, nine, ten types of prayers down to just four types. Um, but whenever we're praying to the Lord, we need to remember certain things. We need to have a have a, a method, if we will. We always have to remember who we're praying to. We're praying to the King of the Universe, and when we're when we're bowing our heads and our hearts to Him, we're asking um, we're asking the King of the Universe, somebody who made everything uh, that is, uh, to pay attention to us. And that's something we need to remember. The Bible says, "Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom," and we need to remember that we come before the Lord in, in His in in His presence. That we need to have a level of awe. And, and and fear, healthy fear, um, as we're coming into his presence. Um, we should always always begin off just by thanking him, uh, thanking him for what he has done, what he's doing, what he will do. Um, we need to seek his will or his best in our life and the situations that we're going through. Now, these are generic, and, um, and I will have this list on there so you'll be able to see it, uh, but uh, we should be able to uh, tell him what's on our mind. What are we thinking about? What are we dealing with? What are we struggling with? Um, and a lot of times just by just communicating that out loud uh, to him, it gives us an opportunity to hear it being said, and we get a better understanding of what you know what he's wanting from us. Uh, we should always be prepared to ask forgiveness uh, because our sin oftentimes uh, interferes with our ability to be able to hear from God. I know a lot of people say that it blocks him from being able to hear us, like our sin keeps him from being able to hear us, but I don't think that's correct. If you read the book of uh, Job, if you read um, the book of Jonah, um, if you read some of the Psalms uh, from some of the, um, the, the psalmists that were really struggling with uh, their own internal issues, um, you'll oftentimes see that they would um, they would they would pray from the depths of their pain, their sin, and their frustration. Um, Jonah himself said, "Well, if I descend into the depths of hell itself, you're still there." Um, with the idea that even if I'm admired down in the in the in the in the very bottom of my sin, now I do feel like God um, uh, that our sin does prevent God. Uh, I don't know, prevent sin, but uh, it. For some reason, we aren't able to hear from him, and we aren't able to receive the kind of blessings that we would normally receive um, if if that sin was in the way. We have to clear the path. We have to be able to have a, a two-way communication going. Um, also, we need to pray. Um, be prepared sometimes to just pray the Word. Uh, there's power in the Word of God. The Bible says that the Word of God never returns void, um, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword, um, that it, it, is, it, is our, it, it is our power, it's our presence. Um, and there's nothing wrong with just praying the Word of God. Uh, and you do that by opening up some of the passages of His promises. Uh, what has God promised to give us? 
Uh, what does he promise to do? There are so many promises in the Old and New Testament. Um, so look for those. You can just do a Google search and find just some of the promises. Pray those. Sometimes just praying the, the prayers that are already written down in the book of Psalms, because that's basically what the book of Psalms is. It's not really a song book so much as it's a prayer book. Um, and some of those prayers can be put to music, but for the most part, those are prayers of, of an intimate level that are being offered up to our God uh, by the psalmists. Um, and the other thing is sometimes just spending time in his word. Uh, rather than using his word, using his word as a, as a prayer, sometimes just spending time reading it. Um, I know when I was younger, much younger as a child, young man, when I was just getting into uh, being a Christian, um, I never really knew where to begin. And so sometimes I would just I would just do that random method, you know, where you, you flip through really quick and you put your, close your eyes and put your finger down and read whatever whatever scripture you find and I, and I, I know there's some pastors who are like ah don't do that you know be focused um, but I tell you the Holy Spirit is amazing um, and I think that uh, sometimes always I know the Holy Spirit guides us and sometimes you know flipping in that random way you can find a passage you need and you say well pastor where's your where's your um, scriptural support from that I'm glad you asked that um, let's look at uh, the, the passage that we just read in chapter 11 in the book of Luke. Yeah. If you look at um, verse 13, it says um, at the end, of the, or the, and that, that verse says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? He just got finished saying gifts and uh, things that we need to survive, like eggs and bread, right? Those are the two previous passages. And so what is the one thing that God wants to give us? He goes, when we ask him of things, what does he give us? He gives us the Holy Spirit, the greatest gift that we could ever be given. The gift that's going to sustain us in every walk of our life is going to be the Holy Spirit. And our connection to him is what needs to happen and just like a muscle the more you exercise it the stronger it is the more you tap into that um that holy spirit connection that dwells within us the stronger we're going to be so um that being said we're coming to an end but i did want to take just a quick minute to show you my wall of remembrance let's look at that so i want to take a moment to show you my wall of remembrance in every office I've ever had uh, in every church I've ever worked in, even when I was just a school teacher, just when I was a school teacher, um, I always had a wall that looked a little bit like this. Um, now you see my desk and you see the computer, you see the Bibles open, you see my books and things that I have lying around, but I like to have a wall that I can stare at when I am looking for inspiration or during my times of prayer. You'll notice up near the top, I have the Hebrew phrase, Baruch Atah Adonai. It just means praise be the Lord, or praise be you, um, Adonai. And you also notice over here that I have a prayer list that I pray every single day. I pray for my church. Um, I pray that the people in my church will love one another. They will be protected from the evil one. They'll be sanctified uh, through the truth. They'll be united. They'll be and make disciples. They'll be devoted to word, prayer, fellowship, worship, ministry, and evangelism. This is my prayer I pray for each and every one of the members of our church every day. Um, I always have to have a quote from Ravi. And uh, you see I have one from C.S. Lewis. 
Um, I even have one uh, down here that is also from uh, C.S. Lewis, but it's got some things in the way you can't really see it. Um, I've got a passage that we were talking about today in Luke chapter um, 11, verses 9 through 13. And of course, I have a, a, a painting that my daughter did for me um, yeah, many years ago. And so this is my wall of remembrance. I think that everybody ought to have something like this, whether it's an index card you carry in your pocket, something you can take out to remember, or maybe it's um, a place that you have like a prayer closet in your home. Uh, or you know, there was a movie that came out a few years ago called The War Room. And that's a, that's a valuable thing as well. Something that will allow you to be able to focus as you are praying. And you notice I start right off at the top, Baruch Atah Adonai, praise be to you, O Lord. And then I just make my way around um, as I'm praying for the different things that are important uh, to the ministry. And so I guess it comes back to what we said before. What's the most important thing that a pastor does? And again, I think a lot of pastors would have different answers for this, given uh, uh, depending upon the day of the week that they're talking about. Uh, but for me, I think one of the most important things that a pastor does is pray. Um, I pray for my people. I pray for my life, my ministry, my sermons. Um, I pray for the lost in our community. I pray for the leaders in our community, in our nation. Um, I try to spend as much time in prayer as I can. Uh, I've gotten in the habit of tracking my prayer time so that I can be diligent. Uh, because I found that when I didn't track it, that um, I wasn't always as diligent. And so, so when tracking my prayer time, uh, I, I usually average anywhere between six to seven hours a week of just prayer. Um, and I try to devote as, as much as, as much as an hour a day. And if I aren't, I'm not able to get a full hour in, uh, for whatever reason, um, I usually try to make up for it the next day, not because I'm trying to put a time frame on it, but I think it's important that I spend spend as much time as I can. And it takes time to go through my prayer list, uh, to go through the people that I'm praying for in the church, the ones that are sick, the ones that I'm doing well, the ones that are struggling. Um, and then to just go through my own needs and, uh, and go through that list like we talked about before. Um, and then throughout the day, I'm always offering up those shotgun and sniper prayers um, as needed. And a lot of times I think I look back on it and the day is about to be over with and I'm looking back at um, the amount of time I spent in prayer and I feel like that I don't never really stopped praying, that there wasn't a time where I said amen and stopped praying. It was just a constant thing all the way through. I'm not saying that to lift myself up, but just as to be um, encouraging to all of us and all of you that might be listening, looking at this is that um, uh, prayer needs to be a dialogue between you and God. Um, it needs to be a kind of connection that you have that's a running commentary. Um, and maybe it's maybe you need to send a, do it in text format. Um, I have a friend of mine who does that with his journal. Um, he actually opens up his journal every morning and he writes down um, uh, his discussion with God. And there are times when he feels like God is actually speaking back to him and he'll put that part of his discussion in a in quotations. I kind of wish that we had like a telephone number where we can just send texts to God. Um, but uh, yeah, you just got to find a way that works for you. I've given you some of my methods. I've talked to you about what Jesus said in his word um, about prayer. But the most important thing is just time spent with him. Um, how are you doing it? Where are you doing it? Why are you doing it? 
Um, these are some of the questions I hope you're asking. So that being said, I really appreciate you guys being here um, at this episode of the Armchair Theologian as we do some musings on prayer. Thank you.